Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Again, ladies and gents, I got Isra Johnson. How are you, buddy? Hey, how's it going, my friend? Always terrific. And we got Jonathan Mark of the Action Elite. How's it going, everybody? Oh, where you are, splendid, splendidly said. And tonight we tackle one of cinema's greats, as well as one of TV's greats, as well as a Tony winner and a filmmaker in his own right. The award, the well-deserved award winner, Denzel Washington. All righty. So, and so I'm just going to circle around. Ira, you are the featured guest. So, uh, you've seen, we've all seen tons of Denzel because how could we not? We just were all film buffs. But uh, just what drew you to him? That just made you say, I can't take my eyes off this. This guy is just intense, just always, just riveting, and just multiple characters. Well, um, so it actually comes to the very first uh, movie I saw with him was called uh, The Hurricane. Uh, nice. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Nice. Yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, come, coming from a, a you know a martial art background, like I was attracted to that you know that kind of movie when I saw it. Like Boxing. his his portrayal, yeah, yeah, his portrayal of the fighter. Um, I really, really enjoyed his uh, his characteristics. You know, like there's a scene, um, like the small details. There's a scene where he, when he's in prison and they're trying to get his journal, he's uh, he, he's telling like, you know, they're gonna if they want the, if you know if they want to you know uh, go through his cell, you know, they're gonna go through him, and he puts his towel um, in his pants, and uh, and I was like, wow, like he's. That, that's the fighter's mentality of like maybe they got to you know put on a protection there and he's you know and I, I was like that that small detail there i thought was genius and so i really started like uh watching um because from because you know as an actor watching how he act uh i really like his small details and then that one he did a lot of them so his, his acting technique is great just just keeping it realistic um he's he's like phenomenal at that absolutely uh, that uh, let's go ahead and list that as role number one. This is in no chronological order, but yeah, no, very good pick. I had just always just, you know, he was one of multiple A-listers who you'd see their movies constantly promoted on TV or see parts of them, and he was no exception. You know, just countless movies, you know, showing on TNT, TBS, even USA, right. you know. And it was just interesting because he just dove into so many historical figures and, you know, his uh, as well as you know jerry bruckheimer blockbusters but then you know 
uh, just seeing him even appear in just noirish and even just other kinds of sci-fi or, or mystery movies, and I, I think it even helped that there was even some special, some special catch for both the character and the movie as a whole. And so it's like, yeah, that's why he's just awesome. He he's really doing the math in what he can bring to the role, let alone what are the movies worth a shit, and that's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, um, when he does movies, he's not like one-sided either. No, like never. he he's not typecasted, you know. Like he he's played like a, a wide range of different kinds of characters, and and to me that that's the goal of an actor, right? Know? Instead of it, being and when you watch him, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like when you watch you know when you watch Chuck Norris, you're watching Chuck Norris, right? No matter what character he is or Walker, but when you watch Denzel, like he he's able to become that character. You know, you don't look on the screen. Oh, there's there's Denzel Washington. You know, he said no, that's you know. Uh, that's the part he plays. And, and that's, the, I think, is the ultimate goal for an actor. Right. <laughs> and I mean, more or less, I mean, it helps that, uh, you know, he, he, he not only has studied up, but he kind of just earns the bat- bragging rights because he really does go to town in terms of just making sure that uh, everyone knows how he's approaching the role, how he's approaching the characters. Uh, we're we're going to speak a lot about Antoine Fuqua tonight. And uh, he is one of many actors, along with Melissa Leo, who can confirm that whenever they work with him, he even hints at what direction they want to go. So that's why they want to keep working with him. And same thing with Denzel. You know, he loves a challenge. And that's the goal of any actor. You like to just find little things and bring... You know, you are a contributor. You're one of several different people, you know, just like the best boys, the gaffers, the sound mixers. And, you know, the director, of course, is making sure the actors are trying out different techniques and getting the shots done with the excellent, you know, uh, visualizers and cinematographers. So it's just like it to it is a team effort. And, you know, uh, you're never going to hear anything bad about him. I, I, I remember hearing some pals who were new extras on the Magnificent Seven rehash, and they said both he and Vincent D'Onofrio were just dead-eyed, uh, just method actor, but not in a over-the-top kind of way. Just they're you know speaking in character, you know, hmm. always focusing in character, and that's just what was awesome. And of course, I would occasionally hear some people say, "Oh, I'd love to work with them." It's like, well, yeah, you you you. But, much like any A-lister, you better know someone and not get your feelings hurt if he doesn't, he or his people don't return your call, you know? So, mm-hmm. it's right. like... You and, know, that's interesting you say that. Um, I did uh, a movie with... Uh, uh, I'm trying to... Who he played in The Magnificent Seven. Um, he, he was the... Uh, I think he was the, the Mexican Indian. Um, I actually did... A, I was a... a, a uh, an extra in a movie with him and I got to talk to him after set and he said the same thing about him and he was on The Magnificent Seven. Oh, I did uh, nice. The Chickasaw Rancher with him and so I actually got to I got a chance to talk to him about that and you're right and they did say like he, he was one of those that he could like um, be straight method when it came to acting. You know? Yeah. And I was like, and, oh, and okay, I see you. And not the infamous side of things like it's become lately. Where No. People are, 
you know, right, you know, yeah. slapping or not not getting up and saying staying on set all day is like no no you got to go home <laughs> let's let's go yeah. like, go to your trailer yeah. let's come back in the morning no, none of this bullshit of i gotta wipe your ass now it's like no <laughs> you're going home uh and it it is very unusual how some actors is like they'll even start acting and is like if you're playing an aggressive character that's not cool it, shut it off right. talk to me in character but do not become the character until the cameras are rolling. <laughs> hey, it was a uh, it was Martin uh, since Meyer he was Red Harvest in Magnificent Seven that's who it was. Okay, and uh, we did uh, the Chickasaw Rancher. Yeah, yeah. Um, which he was a, he was a you know an interesting guy in Dermot Mulroney too, but. Yeah, he that was like cool being guy. able to talk to him about him. Yeah. yeah. Already. Um, uh, but and Denzel, though, he, he said that he'll switch. He can switch in and out. Which is how you should. I mean, when the caterer mm-hmm. assistant's asking you, what do you want on your salad? You should actually say, uh, hi, uh, Lindsay. Uh, yeah, I would like so, that with tomatoes and ranch, you know, instead of, <laughs> get over here. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. All right. He's, uh, he's method during, during filming. You know, he's not like right. Daniel Day-Lewis. You know, he's, right. he's, he's, he's more... He's in character. Absolutely. Those guys are more like Michael Ironside, where they'll talk to you while in the character's voice, but they're not going to, you know, just be creeping you out. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Well, Michael Ironside only has one voice. <laughs> he has no choice. <laughs> That's true, too. Uh, well, apparently, he'll talk a little softer, I think, is what that they were lending on to, but yeah. And oh, most of the time we a Mr. Intensizer. And, uh, uh, I don't think I've ever seen him play a role outside of that. <laughs> it kind of varies. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but really but yeah, for the most part, people want to see him go all apeshit crazy in a movie. And fortunately, that's not the case with Denzel. No, everyone likes the unpredictability of him. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, Jonathan, uh what is it that just kind of overall appeals as Denzel other than just starring in countless, you know, blockbusters and uh, dramatic roles that are just gripping? Well, like we said before, I mean, the amount of range that the guy has throughout each film he does, he doesn't play just one type of character. He expands. That's a good point, because lately I've been seeing some people say, oh, he's playing Denzel Washington. I'm like, no, 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 no. No. Uh, I'm just like, I've seen him do occasional, like, he'll do the, eh, eh, you know, just kind of moody laugh and everything. But no, yeah. he, he approaches his voice even differently. So it's like, no, I'm not, I can't even. <laughs> not like some actors nowadays. Absolutely not. And I mean, I've even seen comparisons to Tom Hanks or Forrest Whitaker. I'm like, no, nah, get out of here with that. I mean, because maybe similar marketing, brand marketing in their how they appear in a movie and are the leading person, but there's plenty of movies he's been in where he's just a supporting or he's part of an ensemble. So I, I just can't get behind it, but let's traverse. And so Jonathan, what is your movie number two that you're going to pick? Like the first one that you saw him in that had to be on this list somewhere. <laughs> well, I figured I'd mention this one since it's the first of five movies to do with this certain director and that's Crimson Tide. Oh yeah. Here we go. Mm-hmm. This is just one of the many, just you know, what can't what can't not be said in that it's an excellent World War Three uh, piece and uh, you know <laughs> a mutiny <laughs> kind of movie. 
Yeah, those two scenes when he confronts Hackman are just brilliantly written and acted by both of them. Yeah, and I mean, people complain about the ending. It's like, I don't know how else you would want to end it without compromising or even dividing your audience. <laughs> I mean, this is not... It's like a stage play, kind of. I mean, what and, do you want? The action-packed finale? That's not what that movie was. Yeah, was... that's true, too. I mean, only, like, one person dies or something. It's from a drowning. It's like, that's okay. But, I mean, just... It, it's great how it's just a, a brisk thriller. And uh, it's even all the more amusing how uh, everyone thought it was going to be, you know, this way or that way. And it's like, no, it's just... Nope. Sometimes the biggest enemy is just... Uh, your own forces, you know, compromising each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's definitely interesting how uh, this came to be and how it, it it's just very layered. Uh, every actor serves a point, let alone a position, instead of just, you know, hey, multiple faces and interchangeable roles. And, I mean, yeah, to play off of Hackman, that had to be a treat. Oh, I betcha. That's... Dude, Gene Hackman's goat, man. He's a... he's a... he retired too, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, later um, on, I heard yeah. he was not getting along with certain people. But to be fair, I mean, you're gonna get that way eventually. It doesn't matter if you're the best or worst person mm-hmm. on the planet. Eventually, creativity is gonna set aside. <laughs> he's my favorite Lex Luthor because it's so goofy and so non-Gene Hackman. It's great. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. what what a role for him. And I'm sure we'll tackle them sometime eventually. Um, yeah. Uh, have you seen this one movie? Surely you've seen this movie by now, Ira. <laughs> Which one? Crimson Tide. <laughs> oh, Crimson Tide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were about to give me another. Yes, I have. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, that's the one about the, the, the nuclear war, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Submarine. Yeah. It's like, yeah, uh, them, they actually have really good, uh, chemistry working off each other, I thought. Yeah. And I never saw, like, the actual, like, uh, theatrical, I saw it on TV, you know? So there's probably the stuff missed out on it. But, um, that yeah. one, that one, and that was like, that's the older one, too. It was a, uh, was that 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, 90s, 90s yeah. Five was a great year for yep. him, especially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, yep, it was more or less. It's just a very relentlessly uh, taught movie, and to characterize everybody by how they act, let alone their actions, and it's just yeah, not enough to get him to be said. So I'll bring us to role number three, uh, the movie that definitely got me into his movies, and just is still one of the, just the best movies of its kind. Uh, Glory. Yes. Private, private oh, yes. Playing opposite. I, I forgot about that one. Yeah, it's an Matthew Broderick, ain't it? Right. Yep. It's an earlier role for Andre Bragger before Homicide. He, you got, yeah, Matthew Broderick. You got Carrie Ells, and then Morgan Freeman's in there too. I think. Yeah, definitely yep, one yes. of the first I saw. Yeah, him in too. I, mean, hey, I, I haven't seen too. that in a while. I saw that in eighth grade. I mean, so did I. Covering. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. Too. Yeah, and <laughs> it was like seventh or eighth grade, and it it was just very 
No, probably eighth grade. But yeah, you're right. It was just constantly shown in school. They would cut out some of the slurs and the cannonball decapitation at the beginning of the movie, which is what got you. Oh, it. my teacher is awesome. She she paused for us. <laughs> we, got, we got to see it all. She did. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. No, nice. we, we, the Patriot, too. <laughs> the Patriots, yeah, the same way. There's yeah. like three gory moments, and the rest is pretty fair game. But uh, right. yeah, like you say, I mean, it's just a very epically well done tell. And again, you know, Denzel's in so many tells about you know, on you know, uh, racial tension and prejudice from historical areas and centuries ago. And you know, showing this is not only just a great true story that needed to be told, but just one of the best Civil War movies. I'm sorry, Gettysburg. All it those really movies. is. It really is. It really is. It really it, is. So yeah, yeah it's, it's historical, a, but it's well acted. It's well acted. The battles oh, are very well done. And I like how it's, it's it's not even the kind of movie where you're waiting for the next kind of battle like today's movies where, you know, it's just, you've seen it all and they're boring. Mm. And this this one is just really good at just even showing you is like they, they got a choice. They can either run away and probably, you know, be uh, hanged for, you know, uh, for, you know, abandoning their post or they can die in combat or they can survive after combat and may or may not get their freedom even. You know, it's just it's a total lose lose scenario and just and, and uh, seeing him be whipped for his disorderly conduct is also just very heartbreaking and. Is, yeah, uh, he's been this stuck-up guy, not taking it serious, and then there he is, just forcing a smile or, or a tear, and you're, you're just like, "Damn!" And it's like this is sh- a shithole of a place to have to survive in, and you know, hey, I'm I'm no longer a slave, but I'm still treated like one, and until uh, and there's again, it, it's a total. They even keep. Historical buffs will probably ruin the movie nowadays, but it is cool how the movie just keeps building up that tension of, you know, this is a total lose-lose scenario. We might not even likely win this battle. You know, just the way it's angled, the hill is tough to take. And it's just like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And, uh, yeah, I it, it was definitely one of his first big movie roles uh, outside of... Yeah, that's old. That's an old one, too. I yep. believe he won the Oscar for that one too, if I remember correctly. Oh, let's let, let us see. Let us Probably see. Let us see. Remember correctly. Fact check. <laughs> right. Oh boy. Critical response. Da, da, da. Accolades. See. Yep. Golden Globes. There you go. Best supporting actor. One. <laughs> Very deserved. Very deserved. Yep. It also won Kansas City Film Critics Circle Award that same year. Jesus, for that same category. Fucking A, Denzel. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Yeah, and I mean, it's also one of those anytime it's on TV, which is very brief. Like, you might see it on something like TNT in the early morning hours, maybe BET or HBO, but uh, I really like, I, if it's on Turner Classic Movies, uh, I will try and find time to watch it if i see that's coming on because i also like seeing the film historians talk about it and that's what was so great about the home video edition is like people like montel williams and other historical speakers would do an intro for the classroom version there's like you got to know about this you know 
Stop falling asleep during class and let us cover about other stuff that's not even in the main history books that we can cover about this historical mm -hmm. battle. So I've talked about that enough. I'm going to let Ira take it away with a fourth role that he wants to list. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, we haven't really done a sci-fi one, so let's do uh, Deja Vu. Do you remember yeah, that one? Yeah, oh, Yeah. Dude, that one, because you, you don't, you, you literally, it got me at the end. It got me. But that really one, that know. was like uh, one of his really, because uh, it was different. It was a little, you know, he's still a, uh, you know, the, the hero and everything, but he, he was a little different, I feel like, in his, uh, uh, almost like his, his, uh, it was more cerebral in a way. Yeah, yeah, because he does so many, so. right, because he's done so many, you know, follow the leader kind of roles, and uh, I'm leading the movie, but it's even more interesting how he becomes attached to this subject in the sci-fi scenario, and it's kind of just mainly a realistic movie, and the sci only sci-fi elements really are just uh, the time travel that's mentioned through small, you know, the computer surveillance footage, but that's mm -hmm. about it. It's not an effects epic, although it is definitely one of the best, you know, post-Matrix kind of movies. It's not or about I... bullets, you know, in slow motion or other MTV-type tricks. And, yeah, good good pick. Very underrated, as I call it. Absolutely. And yes, I would agree to that. Even though it's a sad ending, it's also not one that just comes out of left field and you're like, ah, fuck you, movie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect. All right. Movie number five. Jonathan, take it away. Well, speaking of that director, since we mentioned Deja Vu, I'll do Man on Fire. There we go. <laughs> John Creasy. Both versions of this, you know, the one with Scott Glenn and this one are worth watching, but this one, I mean... There's such a history to this character that you just want to see more of. You want to see his oh, like definitely. CIA covert ops days. You want to see him and mention in even some other spy movie. He's that awesome. Dude, <laughs> Dakota Fanning in that movie. Like, I, she, I don't know if she's really done much as a grown up. She but, has. Well, she did Twilight, yeah. right? She did Twilight. Yeah, more, but more she than was that. like, she's on I, the, I've seen. She's on the alien list now. <laughs> yeah. oh. She plays oh, yeah. one of the Manson girls uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, she's... Yeah, she does. She's oh, always, okay. always busy. But, yeah. I've, uh, so a majority of my stuff was her at the, when she was a kid. You know, it was you know, World of Worlds, Dreamer, and all that, so... Yeah, very good, true. Yeah, uh, Charlotte's Web. Uh, oh, that's even, right, yeah. Even I Am Sam and Trapped with Charlize Theron. So, there, yeah, there you go. But I think... <sighs> This is definitely the one that I think we all get behind because it's just so, uh, just the most less talked about kind of premise where it's like, hey, you know, you got, uh, again, a bodyguard uh, just breaking out of his, you know, not so social conscience and just saying, I must save this person, whatever it takes. I didn't take this job seriously until now. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. It pays off at the end, even though you were kind of sad at the end, what happens. But... Yeah, absolutely. And this is definitely one of those other movies where we just flat out just say, you know, what were critics thinking? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, especially it's... to see the score on Tomatoes. <laughs> I know. It's just like, no, this is not 30 or 40%. This is 
an 80, maybe a 70, but it's most people are going to give it an 80 or 90 because it is just such an emotional tour de force and excellent revenge movie. <laughs> All righty. Well, perfect. Perfect. So that was roll number five. I'm going to go with roll number six, which is none other than flight. Oh, I haven't seen this. Oh, you haven't seen it. Oh, that's, okay. I no. saw that with my grandma. That's a good one. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, it's a little risky. She, she introduced me. She introduced me. She's the one that got me to watch Hurricane. My grandma, she's like, eh, Denzel Washington's awesome. I was okay, like, oh, yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. When that, when that first came out, you know, I actually, I think I took her to that for her birthday. We went oh, and saw nice. that. Just big hmm. Denzel fan. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, this is definitely one of those where it's just a very well layered screenplay. You'd really it it did get nominated for best screenplay by the awards. Was it a true story? Was it, it was a true a, story? It was. I think some people did claim it was a true story, but it was just inspired by an Alaska flight. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, Robert Zemeckis. I'm I'm sorry to say, just I I don't want to say overrated, but definitely one of those I, I hadn't liked a lot of what he had done in quite some time, you know, since like maybe Castaway or, you know, Back to the Future trilogy. But this was just a good brief return to the sun before just making a few other forgettable effects experimentations, because it's a part disaster movie, part mystery. Did he deliberately or unintentionally crash the plane? And it's just such an all star cast still flew under the radar a bit. There's some dark comedy also, in there. Yeah. It was a little different because Denzel, I think he was doing like a lot more action stuff at the time, right? Right. Because like, trying to rival Tom Cruise and all those other guys. Yeah. yeah. And this one was like totally different. Like, because, uh, well, it's an old movie. We can do spoilers, right? It's been out a while. Uh, he, he hasn't seen it yet. And I, I think I'd like to actually keep encourage viewers to actually. Uh, yeah. But, but let, well, let, let's he, start with the beginning of the movie. Uh, yeah, you, you love how he's just so blunt and in everyone's face. You don't know if he's a douche or if he's just like any of us and he's just having a bad day and being a smart ass, you know? He's and, a good pilot. <laughs> you got to throw that out there. Yeah, good pilot. And, and, the, and yeah. it's definitely similar to the movie Solely with Tom Hanks. Although this one, I would give it an extra plus because the investigation side of it is just so well orchestrated. His pals, yeah. lawyers, Don Cheadle and John Goodman are having his back and like, did you crash this? Yeah. Uh, or he, he like makes it go upside down. No, instead of landing on water, didn't he like try to like equalize it out or was that sold? No, that was this I one. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> ah, not yet. No, we can't do that one yet. We got to say, yeah, no, I know. Like his, his <laughs> you equalized it out before yep. the equalized. <laughs> But yeah, it is kind of a you you then the suspense is our charge is gonna be pressed, is he gonna keep his job? And he get Tamara Tooney of Law and Order SBU and Twenty Four Fame does so good as his uh spouse in here and she's like, Is that true? And uh he she's apparently re teaming with him uh for a movie that he's directing called Journal for Jordan, you know, the country. And so I can't wait to see what dynamite they unleash there but hmm. uh in that movie she she absolutely is dynamite because actually my bad she's not the wife she's the flight attendant what am i thinking okay yeah and i i do like how all the other characters on the plane are well characterized um mm -hmm. kelly riley before yellowstone is in this um 
Yeah, and Nadine Velasquez from War, and my name is Earl, is also here. But, I mean, she's also on the show Major Crimes. But, yeah, I mean, this this movie is just absolute dynamite. And just seeing all the people who they thought of getting originally, it's like, yeah, that would have been an interesting pick, too. But I'm sorry. I mean, just this had to be... Uh, I mean, John, you've seen Up in the Air with George Clooney. Yep, I have. This is uh, ironically, I saw both of those movies on the same day. Not intended. I was just uh-huh. movies while bored at work. <laughs> uh, what was so funny is it, they were both movies I got dirt cheap, like at you know a gas station, you know, then repackaged and everything under five yeah. bucks. <laughs> and they were both just excellent surprises. I'm like, oh man, I'm really liking this, and I didn't expect to like you know. Uh, uh, up in the air and it was really good and this one I didn't know what to expect and it was really excellent I wish I, uh, I need to dig up my copy and show other people what a great movie it is um, and so Dude, at yeah. the end without ruining it at the end Denzel uh, his human like him being like you know because he's got to battle his internal conflict I think was just one of my f- I know it's not serious that's probably one of my favorite scenes is there at that trial at the end of the trial. Absolutely. Cause now yeah. you're really, the it's really, it tests the viewers patience with them without really feeling mm-hmm. like a gimmick that's gone wrong or just preachy is like, now I don't even know what I think of them. Now I want to see this movie even again, after even talking about this, when I get more time, because I want to see how it challenges me, my my morals. I want to see how it challenges me just as a viewer watching this. It it is that kind of movie. And it is, like you say, just so well-paced, so delicate, and yet so brutal. And and the disaster scene, very well filmed. This movie does not hold back. And it also doesn't, like, it's also never... It, it shows some of it, but not all of it. And at the same time, you got enough of a picture in your head without feeling cheated. Like, oh, come on, you you played it safe there. You know, <laughs> it just shows you how everyone else is affected by it, how their viewpoint of the man changed versus, you know, being flight attendants versus being annoying passengers. And yeah, I, I can't say anymore without giving it away. It is an excellent film. <laughs> Hey, go watch it. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. And then thank us later. Fuckers, watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Go watch all of these movies. Watch all of these movies. If you have seen it, watch it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Movie number eight, John, you're up. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I think I've mentioned this one since... It's my profile pick, and Woo. it's one that I've always said is one of his more underrated films from the same year as Crimson Tide, Virtuosity. And what I love about this is not only is it almost like a sci-fi action thriller, but I also love like his dynamic with Russell Crowe throughout the film right before they appear on screen years later um yeah i don't think the story is well developed but the ideas are definitely very good mm-hmm. it's just that but yeah it if you throw it away whether the sci-fi does or doesn't work it does uh entertain as a silly you know action film <laughs> that's why i enjoy about that the most 
Right. I didn't. Li- I did not like this when I first saw it, but it grew on me after a while because it's just it's like, okay, you know, it, there's there were some parts about it I liked and didn't like. I, you know, not every movie has to be a hundred percent to be enjoyable. So exactly. I, I think if it had a better director and definitely another rewrite, it would have been a plus. But for what it is now, it it is what it is. It's pretty good. Not great. I don't know that it would be top ten, but it's definitely there. It's somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> but it'd be in the top twenty, like we're doing now. Oh, absolutely. So I mean, he definitely had a lot to add because he's kind of playing a running man kind of character. You know, he's on a leash, having to fight the system, and mm-hmm. the program is not working at all, and he's got a dangerous virtual thing, and you know. Once you get past the moments that are just so over, you know, inspiration is just an insult. It's definitely knockoff of, you know, Demolition Man and Terminator. But once you get past that, it is just fun. But, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, still, it's still fun to watch. Absolutely. I mean, if, you, if you've watched Running Man and some of his other movies too many times, just put it in. <laughs> well, I prefer this to Running Man, but that's just me. Oh, and that's just it. I, I did not like Running Man either growing up, and then eventually it just grew on me just because of the quotes. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. So I'm going to go with roll number nine, and that has to be Power. Not the show, and so, not all these other movies. This one is just a all-star cast by Sidney LeMay of Dog Day Afternoon and Network fame. Mm-hmm. And much like I, this was another one. It was one of those like I don't really love it, but damn it, I'm I, I will watch it again just because the themes and the acting are that well rehearsed. Um, it wasn't perfect for everybody, but it is definitely smart, and it's just showing you how uh, everyone's various PR and public relations and how they're affected by the less what they think they aren't even all that affected by. This is actually, believe it or not. Both he and Gene Hackman are in it, but I don't think they share any scenes together, from my recollection. And hmm. it's definitely worth a watch if you see it, you know, on Tubi or Prime for you to watch, or at a two dollars store. Um, I, I definitely don't have my copy anymore, but I would definitely watch it again somewhere along the road. Um, and as big a fan as I am, I'm sorry. There's a few recent ones I have not seen from them, but that's just gonna have to do for number nine for now. So, uh, Ira, you are up again for roll number two. All right. Okay. We're going to go backwards since we're kind of getting rid of This has my other favorite actor. Okay. All right. Ready? ready? Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, very, very gentle movie. Ever, yeah. Everybody's seen this one, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Such, such, okay. such a tragic, can't look away kind of movie. But yeah. Listen, Tom Hanks, but my, I always tell people, like, as an actor, I want to be like uh, uh, Tom Hanks, Dustin Hoffman, um, Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, like, as I said earlier, like, you become that character, right? Well, Denzel yeah. Washington is another one of those actors. And when you see them paired together, it's amazing. That's why I like uh, Catch Me If You Can, because you get Tom and Leo. Now you get Denzel and and uh, uh tom hank and it's amazing um plus it's the, the the story behind it which i believe that was this is based off of true stories as well if i'm not mistaken um but literally 
Like, and, then, and you gotta imagine that's a different role for Tom Hanks, you know. And I actually think he's the one that won that he won an Oscar for it. And I think Denzel was up for one, but I, I don't know if he was just nominated or if he won. But it's just it was beautiful. It was a it, oh, and Antonio Banderas was uh, Tom Hanks's uh, uh, his boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. And that guy yeah, forgot about attention it. because mm-hmm. you've never seen him in this. This is definitely a one that I do need to revisit again and. Uh, you know, well, when I'm done watching this is you know, pre pre Force Gump, I believe. Yes, I think, uh, uh, right, a year right yeah. after, mm-hmm. and because like Tom say, he had that five year span of like every year he had like a huge movie where he just like I don't know, man. Well, it amazing. Is so it, cool how corporations just eat their own, and you have to just see just the ruthlessness of this. You know how the trial is just exhausting to so many people. And how Dinsel just says, you know, he's got his kind of small homophobia is like, okay, I don't really relate to your cause, but I'm going to do what I do as a lawyer to help you win. You know, you know, and a lot of people are, you know, you got to like, you know, you got to ask yourself because it makes you like uh, question yourself because we all, Absolutely. everybody has an issue with something in life. You know, his right. is like, you know, I don't really know much about, you know, uh, homosexual which is you know, what you know the, the issue was or and AIDS itself you know he's like you know I'm kind of uncomfortable with it but I understand that uh, the law was broken your rights are broken you know and so he's able to and you ask yourself like the stuff that you have issues with can you overcome that to make sure justice is served and right. it's beautiful and they're both and they're both lawyers and they're yeah. they both portray that kind of mentality so well Absolutely. And I mean, yep. it goes beyond just the whole, you know, legal system It also or uh, the corporations being uh, ruthless as they are. It also, like you says, it, you say they, they you basically understand why they are becoming the way they are, because they have essentially uh, just uh, basically, you know, the, they they dug into the layers of what you do or don't know, mm-hmm. and by movies ends, they all totally understand each other better, and you know, uh, it, and like you say, it's just so gentle, without being overblown or like a bad soap opera. And I mean, it's a timeless movie. I even have gay friends and relatives who haven't even seen it yet. I'm like, are you kidding? And I was like, oh, it's going to be too depressing. I'm like, yeah, but it's also pretty eye opening. So, <laughs> exactly. see. yeah. Alrighty, so that was movie number ten. All right. Alrighty, so I'm gonna go with num number eleven. I'm gonna say Training Day. John, go ahead and tell us about Alonzo Harris, the crooked detective. Oh, was that me? We talking yeah. to? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Go, go ahead. <laughs> I'm Ezra. So yeah. he said you. <laughs> but um, oh man, that's a character that I find very interesting because it's Denzel basically playing a villain, so you could say. Mm-hmm. And what I found interesting was that that's one that really doesn't care what he's doing what he's doing is wrong he just yeah 
again. And it's definitely an interesting cat and mouse kind of thing that he ends up having alongside his co-star, much like, you know, Bad Influence, Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, then it also does have that heat kind of mentality where the city is also a character, you know, of L.A. And mm-hmm. the, the show did a good job of referencing from time to time, as well as the other characters in this movie. And the film itself is just so much bigger than life. And so many people like to just trash it nowadays. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. This is just as germane a movie as Serpico and, you know, Plenty mm-hmm. other freaking cop movies. Assault on Precinct 13, Eider Version. You know, it's that kind of movie. <laughs> it doesn't feel very generic like some of those would be. Absolutely. Right? And I mean, you had movies like this, Narc, and a bunch of other ones. It's like, I'm sorry, uh, Narc is good, but this one just gets a slightly extra just bonus points just because I like all the other dialogue, all the other characters, and... I, I do like to believe that it's part of David Ayer's other, you know, action crime opuses like Street Kings and uh, Dark Blue and SWAT. So, you know, mm-hmm. especially yeah, I like products. Eva Mendes. <laughs> That's my reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there for any room. I couldn't um, resist, brother. I <laughs> know, <laughs> right? I was waiting for someone to like mention it, and I was like, I'll, I'll go ahead and bite the bullet and just. Yeah, the she uh yeah that's what, I'm not gonna lie I'm a Denzel fan but you know she was uh she was the reason I watched that movie and then and then of course because Dr Dre yeah you know? uh, yeah Dr Dre was good in it I mean the whole cast is pretty damn solid I mean aside from Ethan Hawke I mean you also have you know Nick Shinlin is and Peter Green mm-hmm. as one of the dirty cops and yeah Raymond J Barry and Tom Berenger. Right, as the free wise men. I forgot he was in there. Yeah, Tom he appears Berenger, in the show yeah. as well, briefly, as one of the free oh, wise really? men. But yeah, hmm. Raymond J. Barry also. But it's also kind of cool seeing. So that so does Nick Chinlin, but it it it's really is kind of cool how that whole storyline and. I mean, Triple Nine totally did do a knockoff of this, but I like how it's this and Heat both kind of were the front runners. You know, Heat, you got the thief who's got nothing to lose. He's got to do the heist or die trying and then leave town. Here, Denzel, you know, he's got to leave town after stealing all this money from other crime guys and getting the help of his other crooked vice squad guys. And then he's got to, you know, get the money to the Russians by you know, the end of the morning. <laughs> and he definitely approaches it similarly in a Scarface kind of way, I would say, for this role. That's the best way to describe it. Pretty much, yeah. And it even goes out a similar way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally uh, forgot how real that was at the end. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and apparently they did not change much of the script except when they felt they had to rewrite the last minute. But even with the small rewrites it does it still plays pretty well in my opinion and I, I like that table chair fight scene too it's just so brutal you almost are waiting to hear a bone crunch noise mm-hmm. oh so that was rule number 11 i believe so yeah um i'm gonna go ahead uh roll number 12 uh john what would you like to mention there I'm thinking I go 
the same director for Denzel. I'd go with the Equalizer, the first one. Oh yeah, Robert yes. Robert. Yeah, movie two definitely gets stolen by the villain and just not as well a build up. But yeah, movie one, I mean. You just don't even know what to expect from this guy. I like how he pre-visualizes his kills before he executes them. And it just definitely makes it reasonable competition with all the Takens and John Wicks. And it's like, that's perfect, you know? Really, yeah. Uh, uh, You know, Wick, it's all his arsenal and his stealth and how the Mm -hmm. build-up to that, how they're part of this Covenant type thing. And yeah, you know, Taken was... Special social schools, and this, yep. you know, here he's just all. I mean, I like how he's undercover at a. He has a day job at the Home Depot type no, place, yep. and he just takes that hammer, and then he comes back and wipes it clean. He's like, "Nope, I never, brought, I never took this out of the store." <laughs> nope. Killed the guy with it. Uh, <laughs> nope. Dude, I love the fire yeah. scenes in those. Yeah, you know what started those? Wait, uh. The Bourne movies were, I think, what kind of kicked off this like style it was born, of, uh, of action. Yep. But I mean, yeah. even by the end of it, it's just kind of cool how it becomes a diehard type movie. And it, you got all the other people in the store who saw too much and they're becoming part of the hostages. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, damn. Hey, was it the second one where they were talking about uh, uh, he has to take the, the girl to the hospital? He has a black card, you know? He's yep. like, pay one. yourself whatever, yourself a nice you know? That's yeah. the second one? That's the second one. Yeah, because movie That's my favorite. That's my favorite scene out there. That was... Uh, I, I just he's, love how... He's hardcore. Yeah. yeah. Ironically, he gouges out Pedro Pascal's eyes. And it's just so funny. It's like, because Pascal already had his eyes gouged out in Game of Thrones. So it's like, nah, I see what you did there. Well, uh, deja vu? Yeah, uh, and it's just so wild how he's just very colorful with the knives and the sniping. Mm-hmm. And, uh, God. Mm-hmm. I love uh, the training he gets at the end of the first one. That's what I appreciate the most. Yeah, making use of the watch and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wish they would have done another movie. And They're supposed to, aren't they? Aren't they going to be making a third one? I don't know. Because, I they mean, they got a TV show now, Queen Latifah. So I have uh, not seen it yet, but I've uh, seen I've seen surprisingly some decent reviews, and then I saw that there were some Law and Order actors who I liked on there. So it was really? like, okay, yeah. it, it, if it's who a mindless Tom action, Cruise's version, uh, Jack Reacher, Jack Reacher, those are pretty good too. I think they're good. I don't love them, love them like I do like some of his other movies, but they. Or even yeah. the books, but that that like you say, I mean, when you're out of all these other sniper covert ops and spy movies to watch, definitely watch those. Um, mm-hmm. TNT has been lately just marathoning them all day. Really happy. Watch all of me. Got better. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so. Uh, yeah, that that was movie number twelve. So I'm going to. Let's you determine movie number 13, Ira. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so you so Equalizer. Oh, uh, you know, we haven't... I'll just go ahead and throw into... We haven't talked to Malcolm X. And that was probably yes. like one of his mm-hmm. better acting role, like, ever. One of many roles with uh, Spike Lee and based on Alex Haley's coverage of it. And mm-hmm. it really is a pretty powerful movie. I, do, I am due for a rewatch if I have three hours to kill i'll probably do it but 
uh, I was fortunate enough to watch before this episode, uh, Spike Lee's uh, episode of the directors. And I like how they establish all the shocking scenes in it, all the brutality of it. Um, and I mean, just such key acting for everybody. There's a list of A-listers and B-listers. You know, you got Christopher Plummer, Angela Bassett, and then you got, you know, people who were just in the start of their careers, like James McDaniel from NYPD Blue, his brother Earl. You got uh, Giancarlo Esposito, mm -hmm. Peter Boyle, and then uh, uh, even uh, Latanya Richardson, you know, Sam Jackson's spouse, who's also an actress. Um, uh, Craig Watson as a talk show host, even freaking Wendell Pierce, uh, bunk from the wires there as <laughs> a member of the assassination team. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good pick. Good. Very good pick. Um, very good uh, pick. Uh, and I mean, I really don't know who else could have been, you know, it's a shame that some people, they only know more about the character just from watching this biopic and it's like they need to teach more about this person and they you know i, I mean that was me <laughs> like i uh yeah I knew malcolm I, I x never. from the ali movie Absolutely. like uh remember will smith when he did ali they had uh malcolm x in there and i was like what so i looked at malcolm x you know at school and they had a movie and it was you know denzel so i watched it things long though it was like it was so. It really it's been so many years since on VHS. Is the double? Is the two VHS? That's how I saw, noticed it too. Yeah. yeah, and they don't even air it typically, even on cable TV anymore. I and that's weird because it's like this is a very culturally significant movie. People should watch it. So it's just like, um, and like you say, it's just very disappointing that you know we don't really learn much about Black Panthers and we learn about MLK, but not much about. Malcolm and his radical side. Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about that, all you know, when I was growing up, uh, uh, you know, especially around the time I, I was, uh, when I get fascinated with something, I like to look into it. And most anybody's, oh, well, he was just a, a rights activist that was always angry, was right. kind of like how people portrayed him, you know. And when you watch the movie, you know, because and granted, you know, they took some liberties and stuff. But still, a lot of the stuff, like his life is just very fascinating, you know? And I don't agree with a lot of, like, I don't agree with everything he said, but a lot of it is you're just like, wow. It's you can just, understand it's where unreal. he's coming from. When yeah, he feels it's like just unreal. And then you got all these other black, uh, you know, activist groups, you know, members of the Black Panthers who, you know, were disagreement with them. And it's like, he, he pretty much uh, had just so much to lose, let alone just, continual uh just everyone's against him you know <laughs> the cops the politicians and yeah other members of his staff and he had to basically just keep saying okay well i'm gonna put it out there i'm gonna say it and make sure you hear it because <laughs> you know? i also yeah. if i back down and i say it, you know and then i might as well surrender you know i might as well pussify myself and i'm not going to do that either and it just shows you the whole we're still seeing a degree of that with even activist voices, but now, you know, it's, in, we don't even hear about it even as much, you know, unless we're at a protest cause you know, it's through Instagram and such. And it's just like, you had to realize people, there are still going to be many groups who will gladly just go out and get arrested at a riot or a protest that did or did not go well. And they're willing to die by that because you have to just yeah. say, I am sending a message. I will not fear 
what I think or do. This is not hate speech. This is me making a point, what are radical or what are agreeable. And mm-hmm. he, he, you know, this was the last resort for this historical icon. So, like you say, good movie, excellent portrayal. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! He dies. But well, that yeah. scene, well. right? Yeah, <laughs> that scene though was because, uh, you know, because his kids were there, right? It's a true story. His kids and his wife were there, but like, didn't he doesn't say anything? But his facial, like that was that was because I've seen that movie like three or four times. Um, oh really? His <laughs> yeah, his dying, his dying scene. Where if you go back or watch, and it sounds bad. Go back and watch his death scene. It's amazing, like the 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 like heart wrenching type of performance that Denzel did there. Because you're like, man, that's in front of his kids. You know what I mean? Right. It's just it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it was. I think he won an Oscar for that. That's probably one of his like yeah, best he got nominated, performances. I, I don't think. Uh, oh yeah, it was the first one he won. But oh really? Apparently, but well, no, because he won in Glory. Well, that that was for a Golden Globe. Uh, either oh. way, yeah, yeah. If you're talking Academy Awards, different thing. But yeah, no, a uh, very good pick. And uh, so that was rule number twelve. Twelve. That was twelve. I thought yeah. I gave. I thought I gave you thirteen. Oh, I think it was thirteen. Oh, you're right. You did. Yeah. That was thirteen. Okay. Oh. I was like, oh, that's odd. <laughs> okay, I'll let John pick uh, rule number fourteen, and then I'll. Come back. <laughs> well, I figured. Speaking of Spike Lee, I'll go Inside Man. There we go. Yeah, as the guy who's a negotiator facing corruption charges and you know <laughs> having to fight mm-hmm. a, a criminal who's also got layers to him, as well as a bank that's got some questionable <laughs> activity. <laughs> it's just definitely uh, breaking mm-hmm. apart so many layers, like you say, just much like mm-hmm. with Max. There's got some good, probably. good cast in that movie. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Jodie Foster. Silence of the Lambs. Right. And Clive Owen. The Green Goblin. William Defoe is in that, too. Yeah, he is. He's the arrogant guy, and he's more even trigger-happy than the rest of the guys. Chihuato, Ido Far, yeah. Oh, Chidwell's in the, Yeah, he's a... Yep. I saw him in Red Belt. It was the very first time I'd ever seen him. was the movie yeah. Red Belt. He's a very talented actor. Absolutely. Dad mm-hmm. and uh, uh, freaking... Uh, Serenity, I saw uh, him in. Right. And that was around when I started saying, oh, I know who he is now. And then, you know, by Salt is like, okay, game changing. And, you know, 12 Years a Slave. And it's just like, you got to see something. Mm-hmm. Dude, uh, who's the old guy in that movie? Christopher Plummer? Yeah, he was in a... Uh, Sound of Music. Yep. Right? Yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. I uh, maybe. I mean, I it's a big all-star cast, but uh, yeah. I have a uh, bunch of useless knowledge. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm. Ne- I'm, never, I'm trying because I'm trying to replay that movie back in my head, you know. And I and I love to do that as a kid. Is like, oh, I know him from so and so, and from so and so, and from so and so. I did the and, same. Uh, I remember that. I'm a nerd, okay? I'll no, say it's it. all good. That's why we did this podcast. We just love talking film. Um, so, no, very good pick. Movie 14. Um, I'm going to go with 
a TV role, the claim to fame, St. Elsewhere. Goal 15, it's Dr. Chandler. <laughs> hmm. uh, you can watch this anywhere on Hulu. It it really is a just groundbreaking show, much like Hill Street Blues, you know, how Hill Street did the whole, you know, every show now is just building on its awesome style of, you know, documentary kind of look and, you know, steady cam and handheld and the same way i mean you're just going around seeing all these different personas i mean er would not exist without this but this one this is you know chicago hope wouldn't either but this and chicago hope both did just excellent job of just acting outside the typical expectations of a hospital show and it just really what it is is just a very very gritty drama you know set at a hospital that's all it is I mean, just the crossovers with Homicide, which kind of places it also in the Law and Order universe, and uh, as well as Cheers. And <laughs> and it's got Kit from Knight Rider. Yeah, yes, it does. Right? <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, you, you only know it by his voice. You, you know it by his voice. <laughs> yeah, William Daniels from Boy Meets World. <laughs> That's right. Is, yeah, that's right. He's also in The Graduate with Dustin Hoffman. He was the dad. Oh, yeah. He is definitely a missed actor. He's a great one. Um, as so many people get their start here, David Morse, Howie Mandel, uh, in a dramatic role outside of I forgot about that. Uh, Egg Begley Jr. Uh, you know, uh, you'll recognize him now, John, from Better Call Saul. But, I mean, G.W. Bailey, oh, know. you know, mm-hmm. from Police Academy and The Closer. So there you go. And Ronnie Cox and you know, he was already known, but yeah, then you got first mm-hmm. Greenwood, Bonnie Bartlett, and even Stephen first, you know, from animal house and Babylon five. So it's Mark Harmon got award attention because, you know, he was playing a doctor with AIDS and when that was first, a big thing. So yeah, it, it really is a good mo- show. I still need to get through it all the way, but you know, I've seen all the various talks about it and even close from it out over the years. And it was even interesting how, this kind of became a thing. It's like, I wonder how many people have actually seen St. Elsewhere who are Denzel fans <laughs> versus who knows him from today's stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of, it, they just screwed the pooch. They just didn't roll because of mild music rights. They didn't release the whole thing. But if you got Hulu, you can definitely watch it all when you just want to see a gritty thriller hmm. and dramatic work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's my pick for number 15. Um, is it my uh, turn? Yes, it is. What could be rule 16? <laughs> All right. I want to have to be biased uh, because, uh, well, my girl's in that movie, or in this movie. And uh, also, uh, because I haven't got to tell you, but uh, uh, Dean Kane's in this one. All right. <laughs> yeah. And Dean Kane, I did, a, I did a cameo. You know, I had a cameo with Dean Kane. And he saw one of my uh, videos, you know, the stuff I was working on, and he wants to collab, like he wants to do a movie with me in the future. So I'm yeah. super excited. So I'm I'm biased. I, I got to be biased. Out for uh, it was out of time. He was definitely the only reason we watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Again with Carl I Franklin. Love it. Uh, I want to love it. It's kind of basically he's a bad yeah. guy. It's basically every 40s noir and CSI style that also becomes a fugitive type movie. I might just watch it again just to make fun of it, but he's definitely the only reason I watched it. 
Uh, well, I'm with Cam on that one. Dean Cain's hair. Dean Cain's hair is crazy. Uh, and he's the bad guy. Like, you don't ever see him as a bad guy. I keep forgetting that he's the bad guy because he gets, like, killed, like, halfway through the movie or something. <laughs> True. Uh, and then God. Eva Mendes is always, you know, she always makes the movie good to watch. I, I mean, yeah. I guess I maybe. I, 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 how about we just rewatch Training Day? <laughs> you see yeah. Oh, oh too yeah, that's true. That's true. I give you that. Oh God. Oh, so that that is your pick for number sixteen. Sixteen, man, yep. you got to throw uh, it in there. Yeah, throw enough. that one in. There. The only reason we watched it. Um. Yep. Seven, <laughs> it really is. Number seventeen. John, you are on the spot. <laughs> well, I'm going with, unfortunately, the last movie he did with this director, who's still one of my favorites, and that's Unstoppable. All right. Yeah. This is definitely, I kind of feel like the story is a little lazier, but it's definitely one of the way better disaster movies, I guess, on a train, you could say. Mm-hmm. You could probably say that, but I just enjoy like his chemistry with Chris Pine and... The way the story unfolds throughout, especially at the very end. Right. And I just like how he's kind of like a simple character, but he brings it to life with his performance. That's what I like about... He this. and Chris Pat, uh, Pine, I almost said Pratt. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, have good Other Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, good pick. Uh, just another Tony Scott uh, edition. Okay, mm-hmm. number 17. Damn, this is a tough act to follow, guys. So I'm going to go with Ricochet at roll number 18. Yes. <laughs> Ricochet. Oh, man. And this is another one. A lot of people like to act like it's so trashy. And it's like, no, I think it's a pretty solid movie. I, I definitely, it's kind of funny. It's loosely in the same universe as Die Hard because it has the same reporter played by, with the same character name and actress. Right, <laughs> and- too, he would say. Uh, and it, yeah, it's definitely better than you actually li- would like to think. And it's well shot. Steven and DeSouza, who, you know, again, worked on all these Joel Silver productions, has, and the diehards. Mm-hmm. And it just has just as badass and quotable uh, with the one liners. Uh, there's some brief uh, supporting roles by John Amos and Miguel Sandoval. Mm-hmm. And stuntman Thomas Rosales appears briefly as one of the drug dealers. And of course, yes, he dies. Um, Lithgow again is on fire probably my favorite villain role by him ever but I like how Kevin Pollack gets to be here in a serious role Lindsay Wagner's the district attorney who may or may not believe Denzel and of course Ice-T as his hood friend who has to help him out once he has to kind of work outside the law (laughs) oh yeah and it's just a great break all the rules kind of movie (laughs) Denzel, apparently, this is one of the first movies where he did get in serious shit because he realized, oh, shit, in the final act, I'm going to be shirtless. I don't want people to think I'm bad. <laughs> he got conscious great. about his body image at this time. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's a good one there. Uh, I, I try, man. I try. So <laughs> I'll, let, uh, I'll let you pick uh, role number 18, John. <laughs> well, as I continue with the action one, I'll do... This is one that I didn't see in a theater, but because I wasn't interested at the time, but just based on his performance, I go safe house. 
All right, perfect. Tobin Frost, Ooh, training right. day meets the Borns, and yeah, yep. uh, I'm still waiting on that damn sequel, which they promised years ago, but it probably won't happen. It won't happen. Nope. The creator went on to create another awesome show that lasted three seasons, known as Designated Survivor. Check it out, guys. Um, mm-hmm. the director, I definitely always like checking out some of his movies, even if it backfires. Um. He's unfortunately involved with a lot of comic book stuff, but I definitely liked uh, Life and his Easy Money film. Um, uh, I, I think I definitely liked his style, and thank God he didn't have to work on the Assassin's Creed movie. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, in the special features, they definitely said that they were inspired by the Taken movies for the fight scenes. Uh, I like how this is definitely where I started seeing a different side of Ryan Reynolds. You know, he kind of been stealing the show in lesser movies and other people didn't really stand him yet. Um, It's like, no, I kind of respect him here now as an action star and as a sarcastic one minute and a rookie in training the next. But Denzel also does different than the Alonzo character. Yeah, there's some similarities, but he overall it's interesting how he has different sides of him. He's basically playing everybody mm-hmm. because he's a spy, much like Evelyn Salt in Insult. Insult. Uh, the Angelina yeah. Jolie movie. Uh, just where he, um, you know, everybody has to basically be taken advantage of and you have to forgive him later. And yeah, some good action in this one. Um, car chases. Um, it's yeah. interesting Ryan Reynolds from what I've heard. He says he doesn't do his action anymore because he got injured during that fight with Joel Kinnaman. Oh, really? Yeah, and definitely the one I first saw Kinnaman in, and I didn't realize that was him when I until I saw his other movies. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know that either until years later. Yeah, so. I think he's a good actor, but it depends also on the movie. And um, yeah. he, He's another one who everyone likes to make a punching bag and is like, come on, guys. But what, what can I say? Um, yeah, so... Uh, Ira will pick one more, and I'll pick one more, and then we'll just do honorable mentions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, gosh, forgive me. I can't remember the name, but it had Angelina Jolie. He's the quadriplegic. The bone collector. The bone collector. Yes. Dude. Mm-hmm. I saw it the... recently. Uh, not too long ago, and I, I actually liked it way better. I had seen it years ago on TV, couldn't get into it. It was a book, wasn't it? It was a book. It even became a miniseries rehash recently that didn't do too well, but uh, oh. got canceled, I think. So, uh, but uh, um, yeah, no, that, that's a very good pick because it's... Dude, I haven't seen that in so long, but it's a good movie. Same here. Mm-hmm. It's being pretty good. Dude, Denzel, like, he doesn't make a bad movie. Uh, I think that's his, fair to say. I, I, love, I like, even his worst movies are still great. They can be cheesy, but they're still great. I love them. For sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is, like, one of his higher, higher level ones. Though. This is interesting because, yeah, he acts alongside uh, his sister and police partner, uh, uh, Queen Latifah, and then yeah, Angelina Jolie's like the hotshot uh, cop, and it definitely feels similar to a James Patterson kind of book, and could easily even be a Law and Order thing. Um, but they have great chemistry together. Oh my God, you're so surprised that they don't get together because they just are always just looking at each other. They just are naturally drawn to each other, this natural helper kind of way. And he carries the movie even though he's you know hospitalized, not able to move, and. 
He just ups the amount of vulnerability that you can see about anybody, you know? So, yeah, no, good pick. Um, uh, John, if you want to do another one, you can. Other than that, uh, or I can go. <laughs> well, I'll choose this one because, well, since I'm the fanboy of this director and I'll keep going. <laughs> um, this is the first one I saw the thing that, that Denzel stars in, and that's Pillar One, Two, Three. Oh God! Mm. Yeah, I think this... I saw that in theaters, and that was the only time I haven't been able to get into this. I still need to see the '90s version with Vincent D'Onofrio and Edward James almost, but uh, Ooh. he he kind of kept me watching this one. I kind of felt like John Travolta just overacted way too much in this movie. And I didn't really care about what happened, but it was definitely watchable the first time. <laughs> I'm actually fine with overacting compared to Savages, but. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, Savages is even weirder because it's like he starts out all calm and then he get, just goes all maniacals. <laughs> For no reason. Oh, God, no Travolta. We're going to struggle when we do an episode on him, that is for sure. Uh, uh, hey, he's, he did that one where he's like a huge fan of somebody, like stalks him. Oh, the fanatic. It was like, was yeah. who? The fanatic is what it's called. Fanatic, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, all my, I saw that one. <sighs> all my podcasts I've listened to have basically trashed it. I'm not sure I want to even watch it. I want to watch it. Nope. Oh, it's great. It's awesome. <laughs> you say so. <laughs> no, I love bad movies. No, it's not like a movie like, oh, wow, that's an amazing movie. It's kind of one of those like when they're not that good, you know, they're so bad that they're good. Like, uh, I love movies like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's uh yeah. <laughs> makes it's one of the, it's one of those. It gets like his ear shot off or something like that. It's awesome. Oh jeez. Yeah, go watch it. Okay. Well, so I'm gonna wrap this up of the other roles I've seen. Honorable mentions. There we go. How come no one said remember the Titans? Like I'm I mean, waiting. No one said remember the Titans. Oh, I'll tell you a funny story. I saw that, I saw that. in in high school. And it was funny. It was yeah. one of those we, we were out of movies to watch. And we just had to kill time after like SAT tests. And it was just so funny. <laughs> I love th- that's one of the few PG movies that deals with like segregated towns, you know, in like during the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s. And it's a good, straightforward movie. It packs a punch. Definitely one of the first movies I paid attention to uh, Will Patton in. And it's just so funny how uh, it's like one of the few PG movies I think I made in the 2000s that has like him using a gun and it's not an action movie per se but i like how he thinks people are about to loot his house i'm like whoa is this about to turn into a shootout movie no but <laughs> could have been but it, it was a good movie it really was a slam bang film and definitely one of the first films that i saw him just heavily promoted is like you gotta see it's an inspirational movie you should watch it even if you're not into football <laughs> i'm like okay nice no good pick definitely a good jerry bruckheimer production in his prime uh i will definitely mention uh carbon copy where he plays off uh you know as basically an illegitimate uh kid of george siegel not an easy to watch movie but definitely a very well versed uh, movie it's not going to be a ha 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 movie but it's it's a kind of a loose satire but it's definitely a movie just with some important themes that you, you should watch at least once and uh did anyone ever see a soldier story I did not. Which he no. it, it was kind of like 
I, I know you like the Presidio, but yeah, this is an interesting, you know, military drama, a black military officer. It's, you know, he's also a military lawyer and hmm. he was also in the stage play version of it. And, you know, Norman Jewison approaches it with the same kind of just very well layered, you know, material as he did with in the heat of the night. And oh, that's a good, that's a good show. Absolutely. Uh, Cry Freedom, I recommend. Uh, we're, you know, in apartheid South Africa. That was by uh, Richard Attenborough after he did Gandhi. That's worth watching at least once. For Queen and Country, I joke about as being the 80s version of the Equalizer <laughs> before he actually was the today version of the Equalizer where he plays a British paratrooper who is going around solving some crimes. Definitely interesting. Gives you a sense of the times in London at that time. See Bruce Payne's in that. I think so. Uh, there's plenty of others that uh, I'm going to only mention the ones that uh, I've seen and actually recommend. So <laughs> feel free to. What be about afraid. Pelican Brief? Uh, Pelican Brief, I will definitely recommend. It wasn't. Yeah. It was another one I could not get into, and then I resaw in recent years. Is like you know, not bad. I like the conspiracy theory to it. Much Ado About Nothing, even if you're not into stuff like this, he just has great chemistry against uh, Emma Thompson, Keanu Reeves, of all people, Michael Keaton. And yeah, definitely see that one. He he owns it as Don Pedro. Um, Mo Better Blues is definitely a great one. Uh, not a must-see, I don't think, but uh, as the jazz trumpeter, he he's great in there. And The Preacher's Wife, he it was another one, you know, Penny Marshall, just does an interesting retake it's a remake of a movie but it it's approached much like any kind of frank capra-esque movie like it's a wonderful life but minus the angel part it's kind of a loose fantasy movie not a direct one um um and again um uh let's go with uh he got game another one i made the mistake of watching this on cut cable tv like on upn one afternoon it's like okay well no wonder i didn't like it they cut it up really badly um, yeah, he basically has to, you know, convince his son to not give up his dream, not, you know, waste his time with drugs and women. Definitely just a great crime opic, uh, 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 type movie. And Hill Harper's also in this, Ned Beatty, uh, young Mila Jovovich, and just a very carefully crafted movie that's definitely one of Spike Lee's best films by far definitely Did you like the siege i was actually going to mention that next from that same year yeah um yes i watched it countless Bruce times. Was. right as a you know general trying to do it for his career you got mm-hmm. Monk himself tony shaboob annette benning um yeah uh this is as if you were to do a law and order movie that they never did. They originally wanted to do one uh, before 9-11 happened. This is as close as you get. It's just so relentless in its pacing and the terror cells. It, when, you run, when you're tired of watching Speed or Die Hard with a Vengeance, put this one on. Um, yeah, good good pick there. Um, Devil in a Blue Dress is also a good one. It occasionally would come on TBS and I would watch it. But it's interesting how Carl, this is one of the many collaborations he did with Carl Franklin. And yeah, again, this is another, you know, 40s where he's being a private eye and he's getting into just awful intrigue involving, you know, it's not L.A. confidential, but it's still an interestingly 
configured uh, noir kind of movie. Uh, I know John's not a fan of this. I recall it being okay, but uh, uh, Fallen, I think, is worth watching at least once for his performance when you watch The Hidden too many times. He's the one good thing in that movie. Uh, he didn't like the style, but that's all good. Well, the Indian, too, is the other reason. But... Uh, okay, well, <laughs> there you go. Um, and then, I mean, we, we definitely got to mention the Manchurian Candidate because this is reunites him with Philadelphia director Jonathan Dim, but it paces it all so differently and as a modern warfare movie and makes it some ways a little more disturbing. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's better than the uh, first movie, but it's definitely worth watching at least once. Just if you just need a straightforward thriller, I think it just got plowed under the rug and everyone's just still so mixed about it. But if you're in the mood, you can just get a little bit of out of it just cause it's a very, it, it's not as, as taut as it probably could be it's still a little chilling and i think for that you should just see it and definitely the actor and cast in this is just dynamite and so many people are in this movie <laughs> bruno gans zonko ivanek uh anthony mackie Paulo schreiber uh charles napier again miguel farrar uh ted levine and john voigt leave schreiber is the congressman who was also part of his platoon that's pretty creepy uh kimberly elise is also in here um and once again cameos by roger corman <laughs> Sidney lemay <laughs> even al franken so there you go check it out um antoine fisher was a very uncompromising movie that was one of the first that he directed did anyone ever see that one i saw the other one he directed the great debate is they, yeah uh and so many people just kind of forgot about it. And both those movies just hit home in terms of just showing just on un, unsung tragedies, but being more than just about the tragedy, just saying how you mm-hmm. understand the measure of a man and all that. I know this movie often loves to get tossed out. I call it the violent episode of St. Elsewhere. Uh, John Q was definitely why I checked out in the first place, because I just like hostage movies. <laughs> I just never could get into that one for some reason. <laughs> oh man. Oh probably Yeah, Magnificent Seven. Um Two Guns and I can't fully recommend the book of Eli, especially after rewatching it. It's just one of those I didn't like it. I actually didn't like it. I thought it was kind of boring, to be honest. Well, he did good. He did amazing. I just I just didn't get into it. I think my main issue is I just hate that goddamn ending. No pun intended. <laughs> like, uh, oh god! I, I didn't really get into. It. But he did a he did. I mean, he did a good job as his character. You know, Absolutely. so he yeah. like it wasn't. You know, he didn't drop the ball. It just yeah, yeah. And I definitely checked out the little things just because he was the deputy sheriff in that, and it kind of becomes a crooked mm-hmm. cop movie in the second half. Uh, and I mean, I don't know why I usually hate slow burn movies kind of like this because they just have so many just out of nowhere shocks. And that one for me, I was just like, I just liked it just better because of the twist. I just like, and cause I just, I grew up just watching forties and fifties mystery movies. So it's just, yeah, is it the best of the year? Not at all, but I, yeah, I not can't. me. I was, that twist is what kind of ruined the movie for me. Oh, good. I, I just kind of liked it in kind of a Chinatown kind of way. <laughs> it's just... Oh, it's fine. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's not going to be the top 10 you must see detective kind of movies. Um, nope. And I will admit, I don't think uh, Jared Leto's nomination is at all deserved. It's just like, no, he played Jared Leto, but he was contained Jared Leto and occasionally overacted, but that was okay because we had Rami Malek's psychologist who was kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, and then... <laughs> Yeah, and then there's the TV movies, the George McKenna story. It's a school movie playing a teacher in L.A. Um, I recommend more. That's worth a watch, but each time I tried watching, it was always like three hours and would take so much time, space on my DVR. I recommend License to Kill. No, not the James Bond movie, but prior to that. That's a good movie. It is a good movie, (laughs) but but there was an 80s movie from 84, and you can get it on one of those like multi- eight packs of you know action movies and it's called license to kill where he plays a uh lawyer defending a family headed by james ferentino who are basically you know suing someone for a auto uh moto automobile accident and uh it's not bad not bad at all i Hmm. Uh, wikipedia claims you can also it used to be on a, like a double feature dvd when that was first the thing uh, with Resting Place, which was another underrated movie with Morgan Freeman, John Lithgow. But this movie, I think, you know, this what separates this from all the other kind of lawyer movies is, and really fascinating to some extent, is just showing you uh, just a uh, double-edged sword between two people that are suing. And uh, it's just very well scripted and staged. So, I mean, you should definitely watch it. I will say uh, it's a good movie. But most of us are not going to say you gotta go see it. But it was worth a watch because it was decent and it was very well characterized and acted. It's the movie which he was also in the stage production of, and that is Fences. But goddamn people, that did not have to be so damn long. It's one of those stage plays. I would just much rather watch a streetcar named Desire. I get much of the same and less of a time frame. <laughs> did anyone? That's else a good. This? Marlon Brando's awesome. Yeah, but did you bother with Vince's, or was it just kind of like, why bother? <laughs> That's kind of what I said. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, all you're going to remember is that Denzel just is such a dick to his son. <laughs> oh, man. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, he, he even goes so far as to even call him the N-word. It's like, damn, dude. <laughs> Belittle him. There's some good supporting roles by Russell Hornsby and uh, Viola Davis, but I was just like, okay, yeah, this is a movie that you're gonna. It's a free out of five star movie for me. I'm not. I'm only gonna watch it once because the acting, and then I'm gonna say, what was all the hype and fuss about? Oh, that's right. People like singing their favorite stage plays adapted. I think you could have picked a better one, <laughs> even though there is some truth in there, and it does capture that kind of, you know. Uh, time frame as well as uh, just cultural aspect to it but I was like yeah no I think there's so many better movies so um, I mean I hate to say this I would probably put this in the same uh, category as Heart Condition a movie which you'll watch once but really you don't really like as a movie Heart Condition was kind of a weird sci-fi buddy fantasy movie and to me that was just like a lesser Coen Brothers fair (laughs) even though it wasn't even a Coen Brothers movie I must confess, I have not seen J. Roman Israel or Mississippi Masasala, but 
they can't possibly be bad because everyone's saying he's excellent in it. <laughs> uh, so, what about American Gangster? Oh, I knew yeah. we were forgetting something. <laughs> Russell Crowe, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely one of his best ones. And someone had the nerve to say, oh, it's a retread of some of his other roles. It's like Denzel hadn't done that many crime roles. That one was excellent. And they've apparently, anyone in, who hasn't seen it, you might like the show Godfather of Harlem, which is kind of a origin story to that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, to actually chronicle, uh, you know, uh was it Bumpy John? No, Frank Lucas. Yeah. Bobby Johnson was his father, who's been played by Lawrence Fishburne in a bunch of roles and is played by Forrest Whitaker on the prequel show Godfather of Harlem, which also has a dynamite cast and cool action and frills and crime history. Um, yeah, uh, that's good because I really do like how that's that also has Chueto Itofar in, in there and. I like Josh Brolin as the crooked cop. I, I like how there's a brief role by uh, Armand Ashante, John Hawks, and the Raza. <laughs> Ted Levine and Crow have good fare. Ted Levine's basically still, it's like he just walked off the set of Heat. <laughs> doesn't, almost a dozen years later. But that's okay. Um, I like how, like you say, it's just, it's interesting how. Clarence Williams the third gets to play his dad Bumpy there briefly, and I'm kind of okay with them ripping off the Godfather in a way. It just it was like, yeah. I can this. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of other people who are in that who I forget are in there, like Joe Morton, Richie Coster, John Polito, Norman Reedus, and Katie Strickland. But yeah, no, that that's definitely a taut movie. Um, definitely a smart film. Well, is that one Courage on the Fire? Was another one we forgot to mention. Ah, of course, because <laughs> all the other people are, you know, in the timelines are just so busy still in the show. But yeah, mm -hmm. um, yeah, he does good at anchoring that movie. He's definitely the first face you see on it, and the guy who starts the whole investigation. So that's basically mm -hmm. the reason everyone saw the movie. But yeah, it still does not get mentioned enough, and it basically is a feature-length Rashomon meets Jag type of movie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, excellent combat scenes, investigation, and yeah, Denzel can't do any wrong at this. Uh, the Mighty Quinn was another movie I had trouble with, and which he also worked on with Carl Franklin. I definitely, his yeah. Carl Franklin entries are my least favorite of his collaborating directors, but you should watch it at least once just because, oh man, that, yeah. that Jamaican scenery and that accent, that he helms it. <laughs> the Caribbean. <laughs> and that, and they would always put it in the action category. I'm like, I mean, there's a brief gunplay and helicopter explosion at the end, but come on. He gets to work opposite uh, Mimi Rogers as the snake lady there, which is kind of interesting to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Good picks, good picks, guys. Um, so... I'm going to let everyone uh, promote. Uh, so, uh, Ira, you're working on some film projects. What are you working on next again, just so others can know in this recording? <laughs> yeah. Um, tomorrow, I'll be doing uh, American Underdog. Film project. Nice. Okay. And then, Let's know uh, if we can see a screener for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not big. Like, I'm kind of like a, I'm like a football fan, or, you know, so it's not a huge thing. Um course you know about the one we're doing you know with brayden 
Oh yeah. Uh, I'm about to uh, do a project with uh, Nick's uh, Nick Sweezy. Um, that's this is gonna be fun. Uh, it's kind of like a because I'm kind of like, normally like I've been doing like kind of comedic and lesser. You know, I'm gonna do like a really dark uh, thriller kind of uh, projects coming up. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. Well, so. well, let's keep informing us about those and how those go. Oh, and, definitely. Uh, Jonathan Mark, what are you reviewing uh, typically on the Action Elite the, these next few weeks, probably? Well, about, let's say, about two weeks, I'll be able to review Nobody with Bob Odenkirk. So. There we go. Perfect. Everyone's looking forward to that one. Yep. I think. All righty, guys. This was great to do another top 20 for just a very diverse and just dynamite performer. So thank you all for joining in on the show. My pleasure. I had a blast. Anytime. You we'll see you again soon. Let <laughs> me cover these yes, other sir. martial artists. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. You guys knocked it out of the park. Time to make dinner now. <laughs> see you soon. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life. Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm -hmm. Music. music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> good fun stuff. <laughs> well, you. <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, Pete. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace.
As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's late, it's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-
Everything I learned from movies With a one last plot holes a gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy with your friend Steven at com. Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I am your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast. Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author Wendy Heller and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. 
and thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.